Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is... Is Kel Dillo. Kel has helped people of all ages access their, their creativity for over 20 years. Kel is the founder of the Feel Good Arts School, an online arts community that believes that unfettered creativity is an essential element towards a more empathetic and compassionate world. Kel, welcome to the space. Hello. There you are. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Well, I am very glad that you're here. Me too. I'm excited to talk about creativity. Yes, me too. Such a perfect person to dive into this topic with. And um, I read the tiniest bit about you. Could you, whatever you feel like sharing um, before we really dive in more, um, what else can you tell people about yourself before we do that? Well, um, I've had a long journey in my relationship with creativity. I think most of us that are passionate about creativity, it's just been a thread that has kept exploring from earliest ages through um, wherever we are in our lives. Um, so some nuts and bolts. I'm originally from Austin, Texas, and um, my first very serious creativity endeavor was playing the viola. I actually started in public school in sixth grade, so I'm a huge advocate of music education and lived, I've lived in a ton of places because of um, my work as a violist. Um, I think I'll stop there and we can just dive into some of the, the juicy bits. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a rich conversation, everybody. So before we dive in, dive in, we're going to start with a would you rather question. So are you ready? Yes. Okay, here, hold on. I'm going to get my drum roll. <laughs> I found this button and it can be fun. So here we go. Dang. Okay, so Kel, would you rather look at everything from far away with binoculars or look at tiny things close up with a microscope? 
I think I'd rather look at tiny things with a microscope. Mm -hmm. I was kind of vacillating between the both of them. I mean, they're both the same because whether you're looking at something small with a microscope or something far away with binoculars, you are looking at a world. Um, mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I, I actually think about a lot. Um, this idea of fractals. If anyone studied mathematical fractals, it's this idea that the smallest shape then manifests itself into the largest universe-sized shapes. And we see that in nature all the time. Ooh, I love it. See, everybody, we are diving in right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a big reason why if you can change just one little element of your perception of things, how like dominoes, everything else can shift in perception. Yeah, it is all, it is like, it really goes back to perception, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 We all yeah, have what our... about you. So you said you go back and forth. Is that for the same reason or? I just kind of vacillated. I was like, Hmm. I didn't think about it that deep, to be honest. I love your answer. <laughs> I was just like, I kind of like the microcosm of things and uh -huh. seeing all the details and seeing the shapes and the colors and like the real fragments and the shapes beyond the shapes by looking that close. Yeah, absolutely. But then I also do like the larger view to kind of see just to kind of see what's out there and see how yeah I guess one one affects the other well I think yeah I think going back and forth is really healthy if you get too in the in the weeds yeah too microscopic for too long um you're not seeing how things relate systemically yes um and so it's just important to remember that no matter how small you're going in it's still part of something larger for sure yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's really uh, applies to everything. Yeah. When we just get stuck in that space where we're just perseverating and overanalyzing and yeah. yeah. And actually yeah. that's what happened when I was studying viola is you know I would practice sometimes 10 hours a day when I was really, you know, in that <sighs> olympic training. I'd go to camps where you practice from 8 in the morning till noon and then you'd have lunch and then you practice some more and then wow. you know and yeah so getting that into one specific realm really works well for some people like that that's their whole world and it's enough um, I just found that it really got my probably my own brain and body into it, like a serious rut mm. um of this idealistic perfection that, that doesn't exist. Mm, there we go. Yeah. Idealistic perfection. So let's dive in. This is a good segue. So how do you define the word creativity? So I now feel that creativity is really, it starts with this spark of just believing in yourself. Like if you can tap into what that really feels like inside, like, oh, I have this self-love and belief in myself. That is the feeling that guides most other, like as the creative journey continues, no matter what you're doing. 
And the interesting part is if you don't have that, you're constantly looking for outward um, belief that other people believe you're creative or other people believe you these other things. And of course you can't attain it if, if you're looking for that extrinsic validation. Yes. So that's simple. That's simple and that difficult. That simple and that <laughs> difficult. Yes. I have Amazing. to say though, I have to say though, I love how you said, I now believe like before you gave the def definition of yours right now, you said, I now believe creativity is. Yes. Yeah. And so the word creativity for many years was a toss away word. It was fluff. It didn't, it's like, yeah, be creative, you know, <laughs> uh, rainbows and ponies and um, th those things are great. Don't get me wrong. But I think we tend to undervalue, we devalued creativity to be um, a good way of saying it. Uh, one of my mentors, Eric Booth, uses this idea of nouns. Uh, we've, we've reduced art mm. and creativity to the nouns and not the verbs. So, uh. you know, an example of that is a painting, a play, a cartoon book, rather than um, seeing, sensing, connecting, relating, reflecting, um, ideating. Mm. You know, so shifting from the nouns to the verbs and creativity, and then in its very essence, you know, you do get to just being. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you hear that, everybody? That is so perfect. <laughs> you know, it's, and like I said, it's been, I feel like I'm at this moment where I can say this without apology. You know, there's so many times in your life where I've apologized for believing these things or not spoken up. Mm -hmm. And it feels so good to just say, hey, it's great. And mm -hmm. there's enough of it for everybody. <laughs> you know, yes. it really is. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you is because I, I, when we first um, connected, I think we really both had this shared belief. Oh, my God. It's been yeah. – this is when it's become – I keep saying over and over again, but it's bigger than me. It's after teaching art for 30 years and, you know, various forms of that in the classroom and then residencies and – professional developments and working in shelters, all these different kinds of places, just for the, what I've realized that it was really about, ex it's been about expression. Yeah. That's what it is. Like my passion was always about express yourself in whatever that looks like. So when I left the more traditional setting of the classroom and started my companies, I'm creative and express yourself publishing, it started to become like really the focus on it doesn't matter what you do, like the same language that we're talking, like if you are expressing yourself in an authentic way, and like you said, I love that it's not a noun, it's a verb you're taking. There's an action involved in that. Yeah. Then yeah, absolutely. It brings you joy. Yeah. And I want people to know this, just like you like, I want people to feel this. And so many people, I mean, it, it really is that simple. And so it takes your own inner exit. Like that's why I talk about believing in yourself. So when you start to see someone else really start to believe in themselves, then you can really connect. Um, 
because you're just enjoying them witnessing their own being. Mm-hmm. And that's creative, you know, and somehow we, you know, from day one, we start formalizing these things on other, on others. So we, you would think, oh, well, this should be simple, but you know, the unlearning that has to be done in order to go, you know what, actually my beingness is what is going to take up space. And how is that going to manifest? Like, how is that going to happen? The how, which is a big thing. Don't you find that a lot of people get stuck in the how? So recently, I'll just give an example. So the answer is yes, we all do. I think if you're a human being, you get stuck at some mm-hmm. point in your life. Um, I was talking to this person who I really... Uh, I was like, I feel like I was you 20 years ago. You know, she's, she's got all of the education. She's a creative person. Her ideas are amazing. And there's a ton of shoulds. Well, I should have done this, or I should be this, or why has someone gotten this, or da, 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 da. And it's, it's overriding the beingness. Mm-hmm. Um, that dial is turned up so high. And I just, I'm so empathetic. Like I so feel that I so know Mm -hmm. what that feeling is like. Um, And that's why it's important for us to keep sharing this voice Mm. because that voice is so strong in our culture. Yes. Yes. So can you please tell us a little bit more? So you told us you played viola Mm -hmm. and it took you to many different cities. Mm -hmm. What else happened before we're going to talk about where you are now? Tell us a little bit more about your journey. Okay. So, yeah, I went um, to Juilliard for my master's degree and thought that was going to be, you know, this way into a new, just like the sky's the limit. And that probably is true, but just not in the way that I thought. Um, By that point, playing had become a sport and I had really, I had so many high level players around me that I was comparing myself rather than just really learning how to uh, build up my own voice. Mm-hmm. There was one class that I took that was an arts and education class. Um, and it was really about how to think like an artist and to teach others how to think like an artist. Um, and that led to my work as a teaching artist in public schools for Um, New York Philharmonic and Lincoln Center Institute. So for about five years, I worked for cultural institutions going into public schools in New York City. And for example, I would work with second graders on how to write their own music with three notes um, on recorder. Now that to me is so much more valuable than learning how to play hot cross buns. Mm -hmm. Hot cross buns is great. (laughs) <laughs> but it's creating, you're, you're inputting a structure over their natural ability to compose. Yeah. So I loved, loved doing that work. I still love doing that work. And in a way, I, I try to do that sort of how to think like an artist, whether um, I became an arts administrator uh, after realizing, I, I, you know, I want to, I think I want a real job. <laughs> You know, uh, I think I'm done with all this. This is exhausting. It's, you know, I'm not making enough money. Yeah. Um, and so I became an administrator. 
but I kept being the teaching artist. So um, I got to do some really cool stuff as, um, let's see, uh, some orchestras designing um, audience engagement. How do you get people to think about um, how they're listening differently? Not just that you should like Beethoven's Fifth because it's an important piece of work, but how do you have Beethoven takes three notes, again, three notes, and manipulates them louder, softer, higher, lower, different instruments. Just listen for that. You, mm-hmm. you have all the tools you need to listen to this in your own way. Mm-hmm. I just want to pause at that. I really love that. Just listen. You have all the tools to listen in your own way. Yeah. That's, that's just a beautiful sentence because just we're always... It- we're always looking outside of ourselves like, well, I need this. I need that. I need this. It, it's, it's here. We have it. Yeah. And giving, sometimes people need that permission, especially when you're in such a formalized space as a concert hall. Yeah. Uh, it would be amazing if uh, soloists and conductors came out on stage and said, you know what? I'm just going to give you one question that you can ponder throughout this entire piece. And you have everything you need to listen. (laughs) And finding that type of question that a three-year-old or an 80-year-old can answer in their own way and explore. And then you have conversations about that question. You wouldn't believe how hard. I I don't think I ever got to achieve that because, you know, I work with conductors and soloists and, and suggest these kinds of things. And they want to be the knower on the stage. They want, they they have to or the audience is not getting their money's worth but really giving them permission to be creators is that's invaluable yes that is a really huge distinction i really really appreciate that because it's just where you said being the knower Mm -hmm. it's they need to be there's like a control they need to be the one that's giving the information i'm teaching you this Instead of this open-endedness where the person can translate it for themselves, which means, which means more in the bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, and that is, it's a strong element of education theory Yeah, that constructivism. So how are uh, learners building knowledge from where they are? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, similar to the idea of uh, engagement before information get people really in the dirt before you start telling them to make stuff with it, let them play with it. And then if they ask, well, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? Or um, then that information's available. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as overwhelming also. It's well, yeah. yeah. I mean, so you and I, when we're talking this way, you know, we're kind of in the same We've experienced this as success, you know, we've seen students who were maybe squashed or grownups or whoever that felt oppressed by knowers telling them they're the not knower. And we've been able to unleash that. But what I'm, what I'm realizing through is what I keep having to remember is that there are other people who for creativity for them there needs to be more uh, structure, more sandbox. Um, And that structure isn't bad. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just stopped. I wanted to pause for a moment because while this is very exciting for us, for some people, it's very, um, it feels just too loose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's finding that balance. And that's when I'm in any situation from the classroom to working one-on-one or a group setting, you know, that's outside of a traditional classroom per se. It's, it's really reading what people where meeting people where they are and then giving them for me, it's like, you know, giving them the, the baby steps and the introduction. So it doesn't feel like so overwhelming. So we're not going from zero to 100. Yeah. So, that, so then they can feel successful. That's right. So instead, just like- instead of going to that abstract thing of just, oh yeah, here's this and this and do whatever. And some people are like, oh yeah. And other people are like, I have no idea what to do. I'm walking away. Yes. Yes. And uh, that is something that I think us as creatives are, can like finding that zone wherever you're working and to acknowledge that you're bringing people along this journey. Uh, that's where you can f- figure out how to be most successful. And that kind of takes the most work. I remember mm-hmm. um, one of my first um, teaching artist jobs, uh, I was probably early twenties and I was going to do a five week unit or something. And these teachers just saw me as a kid walking in and I was having them do this kind of like weird abstract dance to prepare for the unit with the students. Yeah. And there were just some that were like, no, I am not doing that. <laughs> yeah. And at that time I was like, yeah, well, you know what? That's too bad. But now I might have more empathy for that perspective Yeah, and find ways to engage mm. the whole group in a way that felt safe. Yes. Yes. And that's where we get the bad rap, right? Like, oh, creativity, you're just flopping around and, you know, uh, willy nilly and you have no, no conviction or structure. Where are the rules? But it's so funny that you mentioned, you know, going with artists and residencies and what you were teaching the kids, because at one point I was doing that as well with artists and residencies um, through an organization called Studio in a School. And at this one particular school that I worked at for a few years, this one kindergarten teacher, she was, she got it. Yeah. Like she just got it. And what we did was she, I knew she was, so when, when we went in, we worked with the teachers the, on how to incorporate more art into the classroom by utilizing their art center, um, working with the kids and then working with the parents separately also um, in workshops. Um she was a teacher that I knew that I could have fun collaborating with. I'd get these downloads of ideas. And I was like, why don't we collaborate and have a, uh, a kindergartner and a fourth grader team up and they'd be the photographer and the journalist and go around and interview people in the school and we'll create a, um, a magazine. Right. Yeah. And she was like, yeah. So the, the kindergartner was the photographer photographer the fourth grade was the journalist wrote it down then she had them decorate the pages we did color copies I mean it was just she got it and the kids were learning how to write they were learning how to hold cameras they were I mean it was just so much learning going on how to see how to communicate how to how to to communicate their ideas how to collaborate how to revise 
um, in such a fun way. And yeah, there are so many teachers who are so on board with this. So um, they just are ready to, to bring creativity more into their classroom for sure. Yeah. So you've been along this journey. So what's so beautiful too, that I see is that here you started from being the musician to then being the artist in residence to then being an administrator. So you kind of have this really well-rounded access to a lot of things, seeing things from all different perspectives, I see, which, yeah. is, a be- which is a beautiful gift. So then take us to where you are now. So, yeah, I, I think now I'm at a point of integration, integrating those different parts. Uh, I still, well, so starting the Feel Good Art School was an opportunity to play with a lot of the experiences and ideas that I've had. Um, it's really an experiment and a, a canvas in and of itself. And I'm learning and I'm iterating because some of it's not working, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm currently acting as the entrepreneur, the designer of how to bring people, adults, because I know that you're also really like, how do we get adults to enter into the zone? Mm-hmm. Um, to essentially come together and exercise their creative muscles. Uh, the way that I've designed it now, which absolutely doesn't mean the way it, it might go forward, is to uh, I modeled it essentially off of uh, yoga studios. That um, unlike taking a full course on a subject, people pretty much accept that you can go to a single or multiple yoga classes and there is some thing you're doing that is beneficial in that moment to connect with yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a practice. It's not seen as I'm going to, I don't think many people expect to be yogis. They just know that my mind and body benefit from being on this mat. Mm-hmm. So similarly, coming to a creative practice once a week, doodling, or doing watercolor in a meditative way um, can benefit, just give you an entry point into your creative zone. So almost like a prompt. And the people that have stuck with it understand that we aren't expecting them. There's tons of places to get, uh, to learn how to draw a horse or a portrait, or this is different. However, this is extremely hard to explain. (laughs) How long did it take me to explain that? Um, This is why I love what you do. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's we're so on the same level with everything. Yeah. We're so on the same level. Yeah. So keep talking. (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, and also I was using way too much of my administrator uh, hat designing this. So I essentially was like, okay, I'm starting a business and bring artists together and we're going to launch these classes and it's all going to manifest beautifully. Well, what I've learned is that there is such a struggle, particularly, well, for all of us, we live in this systemic need, a capitalist environment that whatever we do must be monetized. It must have a result, uh, exploring things for the sake of 
creative benefit, for community benefit, for self-love benefit, we always have to figure out a way to monetize it. And many artists get hung up on that because yes, I mean, this is a very difficult time for, for people who are not particularly working in, in the tech field. Mm-hmm. So um, classes are running and, and things are percolating, but it's not creating the community that I think is really what gets the flywheel going. And mm-hmm. so what I'm starting to shift to is thinking about how do you create creative communities possibly outside of this um, need for monetization through a business until it's ready for that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say zoning in and being un- unapologetic about, I believe in creativity because it's going to make our world more empathetic and more compassionate for better decisions has enabled me to connect with you, with other people in other countries and really expand my own universe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Of people that I can just talk to like this every day. Like how lucky am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I feel exactly the same way. That That's community. And it's interesting because uh, in college, it, I got my master's in art ed and um, community was always something that really resonated with me, with me, the idea of community arts and what does that look like and and all this kind of stuff. And when you're talking about creative communities, I don't know if we can dive in further because this also kind of relates to what I call this talking about emotional health through arts engagement. So if we can kind of, I don't know, dive in a little bit more about what a creative community is and how it affects our emotional health and makes us healthier humans. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, (laughs) Why don't, I'd like to know what you think the, what are the seeds? Like, or what are the elements that, you know, oh, this is, this is ticking along. Maybe what does success look like? That's always a good place to start. Hmm. So what does success look like within an individual or with an individual within the space of a community? Yeah. Within a, I mean, so when a com- creative community is clicking or even when it's starting to click, it's when people are willing to talk to each other. Yes. Not the central driver. Yes. You know, it's a, it starts to be a hub and, and sharing ideas with one another, not competitively, but like, oh, you did that. How cool. Yes. Yes, exactly. I lo- not the competitive um, stance. You're feeling yes. like you're in this together and you're inspiring each other. Um, right. And you can do it in a way where you don't feel like it's a safe space. So yes. you're, you're not going to be condemned and say, well, that was stupid. Or why would you do that? It's a space where people are, are listening to each other and maybe not always in full agreement, but can say things in ways where it's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I never thought of it that way. And then they offer their take on it. And it's just, it's a safe space to kind of have this tennis match and um, 
then take action in whatever that is, whatever that action is. Or just uh, know that you had a moment where you, you expanded a collective consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was, but before this call, I was thinking about how we so often um, confuse creativity with productivity. Mm-hmm. That we must, if we create something, we must be producing something. And even beyond that, producing something of value to others. Uh, I was in this creative hub that I'm now in um, for my own growth. There is this uh, man, I think he lives in London, and he does these amazing comics. He also um, ADHD and lots of neurodivergent ways of being. Highly mm-hmm. successful in, the, in, I think, the tech world. And he said, I love making comics, but I have to have a directive. I have to have a a prompt that someone else in a way dreamed up for me to then create to. Yeah. Well, what if you just, you know, did a comic diary? Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, yeah, no. (laughs) So, so, but he wants that. He's like, well, let's talk more about how I can produce. And, And even I struggle with that. It's like, Almost everything I create, I immediately want to share it like a five-year-old kid, like, oh my gosh, I just made this cool thing. (laughs) Right. You know, I want everybody to see it right now. And I know it's a little bit of a fault, but I also, it's like, if I genuinely feel that excited, it's not because I want a lot of praise. It's because it feels good to share. Right. (laughs) There's a difference in that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's giving the permission and realizing that that's it's a good thing yeah (laughs) there's a but we've been shamed in our society right particularly women Mm -hmm. um and i've even found i have to remind myself like unfettered creativity that's why i use the word unfettered like it feels good it's okay (laughs) yes oh yeah yes 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 and even when you were saying like they confuse creating, creati- creating with creativity with productivity, yeah, and to the value of others, where the value doesn't have to be a something that you can physically touch in a sense, but it can be something that you can feel in this collective sense of. Yeah. So, an example is: so just released my multi-author book, Invisible No More, stepping into the spotlight, and seventeen incredible humans in this space. Um, sharing their stories based off what invisibility means to them. And I bring it up because they have created this community within this space Mm -hmm. where they support each other so fully. They didn't know each other before. They came into the book at different times before um, we went through the whole launching process and everything, but they've really gotten to know each other and support each other. And I have this thread that's going on through Messenger to uh, communicate with everybody easily and they are reading each other's chapters and then saying they're saying what they loved about it and it really resonated with them and then the thing it's it's just this it's this community they've all been through this experience yeah through their different lenses of their stories and they're supporting each other and it's just I just sit back and watch and I'm like this is why it's such so a huge beautiful. Su- that's what success looks like when yeah. people are have a shared experience that they're able 
to take in other people's perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. For real, you know, like it's, it's impacting their lives. Not, it's not lip service. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why so many people get into the arts when they're younger is you like to play the sax and all of a sudden you meet a friend who likes to play the sax and you're engaged in a nonverbal emotional connection. Mm. Uh, and somehow that can get lost along the way, but we all need that no matter what age. Because it creates this from the emotional health standpoint. I mean, there's so many things it's like connection is huge. Connecting to self, to others, it creates, you know, on the biggest scale, the highest scale you can go is joy, love, and happiness. But as you kind of inch up to that empowerment, confidence, you know, there's just so much that is learned through the process or felt through the process. Yeah. So yeah, touching on the emotional health, when we kind of danced around it, Mm -hmm. you know, that all of this work leads to this type of practice leads to a stronger sense of self and place in the world uh, because you can, you have self-awareness of your own feelings. I just read this shocking statistic. I'm not a big statistics person, but uh, Brene Brown did this uh, interview of 700 people. Of mm-hmm. How many, did you see this? How many feelings no. can, do you recognize in yourself? Not how many can you name, but how many can you say, I'm feeling this and this? Mm-hmm. Guess how many? Like three. Three. You're right. Was it three? It was three. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yay. No, yay, but yeah. not yay. <laughs> and it was obviously happy and sad. And then there was one other like pissed off. It was pissed off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's their only awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That is not good. (laughs) Um, You know, there's so many ways in the world that you want to, like, as people who, if I, if someone asked me, well, what are you feeling? I might say, oh, I'm feeling a bit of anticipation with some, you know, melancholy, but a twinge of joy. You know, like how many people can... (laughs) Or that's where you get the eye conversation with somebody. Yeah. I would never say that, but, um, you know, if, if, if I'm coming from that place, I'm trying to engage with somebody else and that is our emotional distance. Yeah. Um, we need to get people more self-aware so that we can solve problems. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yes. Not a little thing. Not a little thing, no. No. So let's hear a little bit more about you as we are, because time is just withering away here um, closer to the top of the hour. So let's hear more about how do you personally incorporate more creativity into your own life? So at this point, um, I really, creativity is kind of my, it, it, it's mantra in a way. Um, meaning that if I feel like I have an emotion that's intense, um, things like jealousy or, um, anger at my husband or frustration with kids, I'm like, what is it that what's bringing that emotion up? I'm able to use kind of that space of, uh, 
self-awareness, which is to be creative, you have to be Mm self-aware. Or like even today, uh, I do have this habit of reading the news in the morning or scrolling through social media. It's it's a terrible habit because it's just squashing all your creativity, Mm self-awareness. And so I started doing some more drawing in the morning because drawing is just about observing line, um, looking at shadow and light. uh, And it helps my brain kind of dance without judgment. Mm. So those are, that's not a practice. I would say that's new within the past full year. Mm -hmm. Um, Because now, hmm? I'm sorry, go ahead before you lose your idea. Just because now that I've made my job about how to build creativity, it's really informed. And also what I'm trying to do for others, I'm trying to do for myself more. Yeah. And when I realize it works, you're like, oh, so yeah, we should be, let's, let's do this. Um, it's just part of my life, you know, and I, I raise my kids that way. Um, mm-hmm. They have more to share with me sometimes than I do with them because their creativity is allowed to be in the world at home. Mm. Mm. Well, let me get back to your morning. So when you started, when you said that you started drawing in the morning, Mm -hmm. so how does that, how does that make you feel? Is it a meditation for you? Is it something where you work out? It's just to do um, where you really work through ideas or. Well, drawing, drawing for me is different than music because I've been so trained, highly trained in music that the critical brain comes in right away. The Mm -hmm. skills based, uh, drawing and it's starting to go into that area as I'm doing it more, but really trying to maintain a sense of, um, when I'm in a space of curiosity about what does the mark feel like? Mm, how, is it, how is it showing up? Yeah. How is it playing against something? Then yeah. I know I'm in a good space. But if I'm like, oh, I want to draw this emu today and it doesn't look like an emu. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably not the, that's not the space where the best work is going to happen. Yeah. So it frees up my mind to play. Yeah. Um, another space that's not uh, in the creative, so to speak, world, but it's important for us to recognize that this kind of feeling can happen anywhere, no matter what you're doing. Um, on the soccer field, I played soccer as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's another place where my brain could just be free to think mm-hmm. about, like, where's my, where's my body in space? How is it relating to somebody else? Um, it created that kind of physical, playful connection. I love that. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's key to understand. Um, Cause it's not just about the drawing aspect of things and all of that, you know, like I say in the beginning, it's not just about the pencil and the paintbrush. It's about how you feel, how you feel, what you feel free in in whatever that is. And I like how you said where it's that, um, it's that kinesthetic, it's that body. In this case, you're talking about that body awareness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one reason uh, there's a, a 
very seasoned teaching artist that has been um, teaching a somatic awareness uh, drawing class for feel good arts. Mm-hmm. And she says, come to the class without, with, blunt, uh, with blunt types of mark making. Don't bring a pencil, don't bring sharp objects because I don't want your brain to go to that space mm-hmm. where it somehow triggers the, the linear narrative mind. Of course, yeah. we know that that, that, like I love drawing with pen and I don't necessarily have to get to that place, but for some people, it really is this very strong connection. Yeah. Sets up a lot of triggers for a lot of people. Um, yeah. This isn't with um, pen, but when I had a business where I was solely working with clay and at one particular workshop for adults, I said in the beginning, has anybody worked with clay? And this person raised his hand and he was pissed. He went back to middle school. Like he was in his forties and he went back to middle school and he said, my teacher, every piece that went into the kiln blew up. And, um, I, you know, da, 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 da. And he was really angry. So that was me taking that information in and being like, okay, you know, understood in my head. I'm thinking it wasn't the teacher's fault. (laughs) It happens with clay. So anyway, he went through the process of creating, I said many prayers over that kiln as it was, as his piece was in there. Um, and gratefully it made it out alive. But, um, when I, I really felt so excited to return that piece to him. Yes. Totally. Because it, it could kind of replace that belief, those beliefs that we hold. Totally. That, so this is where, you know, you may not be doing art therapy, but art can be therapy because so many people have those stories. Yes. My teacher told me I was, I actually, we're, I don't think it was you, but somebody told me a story about having spilled ink all over their paper. Yeah, it wasn't me. Uh-huh. Okay. And the teacher said, that's the best drawing you've ever made. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, no. So like, how do we repair mm. that feeling? Because you just shut down that person's creativity for life. You know? Right. Right. That's, tr- that's trauma. And we don't want our asking people to open up creatively to be a traumatic yeah. experience. So when you put it, the stakes are high, right? This is where it becomes serious work. This is not just let's make a butterfly in first grade. Let's let someone explore their butterfly nests. There we go. (laughs) And go, wow, tell me more about that butterfly. Yes. Yeah. Like express it. It would make me cringe when the kids would be lining up outside the door before we went in and um, the teacher would say, oh, so-and-so, the artist of the classroom uh-huh. drew this. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't do that. You've shut down every other person to even think. And they're in second grade. <laughs> like, <No. laughs> it, it gets shut down so quickly. Yeah. yeah. So we have yeah. our work cut out for us. We, we, do. we do. But it's this mission that we are on and we are making uh-huh. a difference. And love the word that you use, curiosity. Uh, before we move on to the third question, is there anything I've been asking people? You kind of mentioned it, um, but do you have any more of a morning routine? Oh, um, 
I would say I've been getting up earlier mm -hmm. um, because I'm excited about what's going to be happening in terms of talk being creative. So just the idea of like a little, uh, just starting little by little. I got to say my morning routine is not fantastic. I've got kids that are 10 and seven. Mm -hmm. And so if they're fed and dressed and they get to school, yes, I'm kind of a rock star, you know, accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably not going to be a chapter in any book I write is my morning routine. No, but you know what? It's real. And yeah. it's, it's cause when people approach this stuff and they're like, well, here people talk about morning routines and I should be doing this. And there's the should, you know, da, da, da. And then they immediately discount and they're like, well, I have kids and I have all, you know, all this going on. So that kind of counts me out of that mix. Yeah. But it's like, you know what? No, because your morning routine to me is okay. So you wake up, you take care of the kids, you do this, you do that. Um, you feed them, you make yourself coffee, you, you like whatever it looks like it's real. Yeah. And then what happens after that? It's just a matter of realizing, which I've come to terms with personally more, is putting more of myself in that mix. Yeah, yeah. In in whatever that looks like, because everybody benefits when that happens, even if it's five minutes while I'm brushing my teeth and I have um, frequency music on. Yes. And or I'm listening to Abraham Hicks or Hopanopo, and I always mispronounce that. Um, and I'm just brushing my teeth and saying, I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me. And thank you. <laughs> like whatever that looks like, there has to be some of that time in the morning or else, um, uh, Little, tiny the best Alice doesn't show up. Yeah. Yeah. And to celebrate those, um, I think what has stopped me from doing things in the past was realizing, oh, well, if I listen to this podcast or I listen to this music, it's going to make me feel guilty about all the other times I didn't. <laughs> Right. Like, how horrible. <laughs> so, but this morning, you know, I'm making breakfast and, and I, I, I'm already kind of on this engine. And so I said, Hey kids, how fast do you think I can, I can do that floss dance? And so they're kind of looking at me going, Oh God, here she goes. <laughs> <laughs> and I start doing the floss and it gets us all smiling. You know, that's, that's a great. creative act. It is. That's it. Yep. Exactly. It's not complicated, everybody. It doesn't mean it has to be yeah. this whole huge thing. It is. It's that little thing. And getting people to express and think in different ways. Yeah. Well, surprising moments or accepting the moment as it is. Mm. So with the last question, it's kind of like, wrapping it up with a little bow, everything we've said. So why do you think creativity is important? Well, I think it's for all the reasons that we've been sharing um, mm -hmm. that without it, we are going to continue all the systemic things that are happening in the world are just going to keep happening. Mm -hmm. um, creativity is the ability to say, what if and so often if you're one of 10 people in the room saying what if and everybody's saying because we've always done it that way or it's too late or um, linear thinking right not divergent 
what if thinking. Yeah. Um, or the thinking is not, it doesn't have the ability to have self-love in it, which is creative thought. What hmm. I say and what I think has worth just in and of itself. You have one out of 10 people in a room solving a problem who has that. That's not enough. You need nine out of 10 people. You need 10 out of 10 people. So we need to be teaching this and we need to be living it in our schools, absolutely in preschool. Like I've spent more money on quality preschool that allows my kids to be creative, which mm-hmm. shouldn't be the case. Uh, mm-hmm. There's new research saying that uh, preschool is actually doing more harm than good because it is forcing kids to be, you know, quote unquote, uh, kindergarten ready, which means they're already reading and it's, they're putting them in these boxes rather yeah. than letting their brains do that constructivism thing. Like it, it's damaging how people think. And we are already seeing the results of that when the tech world and other things, capitalism is overly focused on the products and growth rather than existence and being. And neurodivergent life has huge amount of worth. Mm-hmm. So that's the world I want to live in. And I, I just, that's why it's important. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time because only in the sense where it's like, it's only everything. Right? Yeah. It's, it's just like life. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to play the devil's advocate, you know, have you had folks, I don't talk to a lot of people who don't think creativity is important anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the bizarre thing is we know it's important. So why are the systems not changing? These things are, the system has been going on for so long, Mm -hmm. then it needs to, it's changing a mindset. So I, I see that it exists here. We have like, you know, as far as schools go, there's Reggio, um, based Mm -hmm. out of Italy, there's, uh, Montessori, there's, um, uh, what's it called that I can't remember right now. I know there's one in Princeton, New Jersey, um. Anyway, there's, there are spaces which are considered alternative settings. Yes. Where this exists, but again, it's alternative and you have to pay for it (laughs) generally in order to, to get this instead of it being mainstream. Um, Because it's not like you're saying, it's not the nine out of 10 or the 10 out of 10 thinking this way. It's the one or two out of 10. Um, so it does exist and this is what we're doing and this is what uh, our collective and people that we collaborate with and surround ourselves with are this is what our goal is is to make it more mainstream yeah because the the more make the voices louder that say this should needs to be uh not alternative it's not fluff uh a great example of how this is so important and impacting is uh, when I was teaching in New York City, I would teach in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And then I would go and teach at a private school where I was running a violin program. Uh, I was first teaching in the Bronx and it was a school in which, first of all, I wasn't, um, at that time, I wasn't aware of my own white privilege and how I was coming in. 
that's a whole nother podcast that, that would is. be great to have yeah. someday but, yeah um the kids you know were instructed to be in line answer questions don't talk yeah um, very linear at the private school I actually went in and had that same demeanor as a teacher and I was almost let go because the kids were used to having voice and mm. I learned very quickly it's like okay I can shift and this is great but it really put a stamp on well the kids that need the most support and creativity and showing their own voice are the ones that are getting it the least yeah that sounds like pretty much every other systemic situation in which the people who need the most resources and the most <laughs> openness are getting the least exactly it's yeah that is we'll do another podcast on that because it is <laughs> a whole other conversation because yeah. as you said that really briefly when i was teaching in uh, brooklyn there was one particular boy who was a selective mute kindergarten never spoke and um, this is really why I'm doing what I'm doing when I look back on it, because I don't even remember his name. Um, and I hope he's still alive, that he actually raised his hand to actually share one day. Mm -hmm. um, and the teacher shut him down. Yeah. The teacher why? just yelled um, at him. Yeah. And his poor body language just completely sunk in and... Um, when I went up to him and whispered next to him, what did you want to say? And he whispered in my ear, I like the color blue. Yeah. Yep. And that is, yeah. I'll never forget that. And that's why we do what we do because nobody should be shut down. Nobody should be, everybody has something to say. Everybody is worthy. And um, yeah, it's powerful. Absolutely. Everybody. Yeah. Oh my God, Kel. So please tell everybody how they can connect with you. Sure. Um, you can reach out to me uh, personally on my, is it okay to just share an email? Yeah. And then your website too. Everything will oh, yeah. be in the, in the bio, but yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, we have classes going for the Feel Good Arts School. Um, you can check out the website at www.feelgoodarts.org and learn a little bit more about what we're doing and you can also reach out to me at info at feelgoodarts.org i am the person who reads those emails along with my co-founder meredith ham who is a hoot and a half mm -hmm. um so yeah well kel thank you so much for being here I love having these conversations and especially with you we're so on the same page our voice is just like sing <laughs> like yes <laughs> I mean I just I have to remember how lucky I am to be able to talk about something I'm so passionate about and I wish that for everybody you know yeah. if you're trying to figure out what your purpose is figure out what you like talking about and what you like sharing sharing with others who you click with yeah yeah so thank you this is awesome yeah. oh my gosh well you're welcome and before we say our official goodbyes, is there anything, anything you want to leave everybody with before we go? I have not. Yes. So if you just want to figure out a spark for what creativity feels like, I do this thing called the, the um, ever expanding now. And all it is, is you take a breath, count to four, hold it for four. And then when you release the breath, you just think now and you keep thinking now 
until the end of the breath, there's a tiny little moment where it's just now. Hmm. So that's where some... it starts. That's where it starts. Yeah. So that's, that's a... I'll leave it with. That is a beautiful way to end. So again, yeah. thank you, Kel. Thank you, all of those joining us live. We appreciate you and catching the replay. This space is all about inspiring each other, sharing stories and connecting. I believe we've always needed this, but we need it now more than ever. So please like, follow, share all that good stuff. And um, that way it can just reach more people and lift them up. So wherever you are listening in the world, we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and we'll be talking again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh? be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, copy books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's, again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't. We are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link. And you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it. See what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one.